Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. I'm one of the advisors at McNamara Financial. I am joined uh, this morning by Mary Beth and Lori and Jane. Good morning again. Good morning. Good morning. And we're playing a little Jeopardy uh, today. We're playing Financial Jeopardy. And now we're getting into Double, double Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy. All right. So things are really heating up. Uh, points are doubled. Yes? Yes. All right. Uh, all right. And so let's see. So where do we stand? Mary Beth is in the lead. I have 25 point? points. I may have added wrong, but oh well. <laughs> that's We're on the honor system. So if you tell me 25, then that's... 25. Okay, 25. And then Jane is... I have 17. Yep. Trailing behind with 15. <laughs> all right. So, all right. That's a problem. Not it far. is a problem. All right. So, <clears throat> I think the tradition is that we'll let Lori yeah. pick. All right. So, where would you like to go? Actually, let me read the categories again. Okay. So, our categories today for Financial Jeopardy are, who can I trust? What's in it for me? The roller coaster. Financial potpourri and good housekeeping where there's a will. Where'd you like to go? I would like what's in it for me. All right. Two points is what's two in points. it for you, Laura. <laughs> That's the question correctly. It's a low two category, <laughs> but it's okay. Two points, it's, all right. It's good. Hey, they all add up. Uh, this account is an interest-bearing account that you can open at banks and credit unions. They are very similar to savings accounts, but they offer some checking account features as well. Oh, Mary Beth. What is a money market account? Uh, that is correct. All right. So, uh, Sorry, as you, I'm sure, are well aware, money markets are not doing a whole lot these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, was looking up to kind of see like nationwide sort of what the average rates were, because just out of curiosity. Um, so. Do you want to wait? So I, ha- I wrote down a couple numbers that I found. So do you want to wager a guess as to what money market? Will I lose points if I do? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can only gain points. Oh, uh, I'm going to say it's very low, single digit. Oh boy, two percent. Two percent. Oh, I wish. Said high. You wish. Yeah, you wish. Point four percent. Yeah. So I found, I found a Sally May, basically an online account with Sally May is paying half a percent. Ooh. Uh, so that was. Ooh, that's low. That is low. Yeah, but that that was about. You know, about the, about the norm. I did find one. Uh, I've never heard of this place, but it's called North Point Bank. Uh, and they're actually paying 0.9%. So almost almost 1%. Mm-hmm. But that was the highest one that I could see, you know, just as a, from an online listing. Uh, however, for, to get 0.9%, you have to have a minimum uh, a minimum balance of $25,000. Oh, All the other one, you know, the Sally Mae, they, they were very minimal. Uh, so you can get half a percent uh, in a money market, but... Um, you know, I was I was thinking back to, you know, when I, you know, so I've been with McNamara for 15 years now. Wow. 
And you know, when I was starting, you know, money markets were actually paying something, right. and we actually, you know, we would even hold, you know, a small position in in the portfolios that would be money markets because you know they're relatively safe, um, and and they would actually pay something. And back then, you know, I think they were paying like almost three percent. Wow. Uh, you know, fifteen years ago, um, but now they're just. You know they're not paying anything, and so it's you know it's it's a it's a good place to put you know your safe money, mm-hmm. uh, but just you know you can't really expect expect a lot of return, mm-hmm. uh, at least not today. So I have a question for you: um, If you had a chunk of cash, say five to ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you needed to put it someplace other than just sitting in your checking account, your savings account, but you didn't want to put it into a CD because you didn't want it locked away mm-hmm. for a period of time, is that still a decent option, or does it? You know, not even pay you that much more than your savings. So. Right. I mean, you have to look at the rates. I mean, but yeah, I mean, potentially that's a, a place to put it. You know, what's interesting is like, you know, if you figure it's half a percent, and if you know, if you do the math on the dollars, like it's got to be a big number to even like mm. make a difference. Yeah, that's um, true. I mean, we certainly get that question all the time. Mm. Somebody's like, you know, I have this money, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand. And you know they hate looking at it because they know it's not doing anything. Right. You know in the bank right now, but you know the, the the fact of the matter is, in order to do something, you have to take risk, mm-hmm. right? There's you know there's no way of getting around that you know risk and return you know relationship. Um, and you know we don't want to touch anybody's money if they don't have at least like several years, right? That they you know they don't need it um, because you know bad things can happen. In short periods of time, um, but yeah, money markets, you know, checking, saving, CDs, those are all classified as you know, quote unquote, safe investments. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can put your park your safe money, but unfortunately, it doesn't earn a lot per se. But you know, we always remind people that it is doing something and that it's you know, it's providing some safety and you know, peace of mind, mm-hmm. uh, which is something, even if on pa- even if on paper it doesn't look like it's doing anything. Right. Um, all right, so Mary Beth. Where, which category uh, would you let's like? Let's stay in uh, what's in it for me. All right. Uh, all right. This account is a standard brokerage account with only one owner. Lori. What is an individual account? Uh, correct. I mean, that's what that's what we would call it. Yeah. Um, correct. Um, you know. I, you know. Maybe other people have other other uh, definitions. I always think that's funny because, like, we'll talk to people and they'd be like. You know, I have a, I have an IRA. You know, I have a four hundred one k. But if I want to like do something else, like what do I do? And like, I, so like it's, you know, it's still kind of surprising me that people don't, you know, know that like this type of account exists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, we, we would call it a brokerage account, or in this case, an individual account if it's just one owner. If it's two owners, you know, we would call it a joint account. Um, and basically, a brokerage account just, you know, it means you can invest in basically whatever you want. Um, you know, the difference is that it's not a retirement account, so there are no tax benefits. Uh, there's no tax shelters like there are in an IRA or a 401k or a Roth. Um, but it, you know, it gives you flexibility, right? Because you can spend it or take it whenever you want. You know, you don't have to wait till 59 and a half like you do for a, for a retirement account. Um, you know, one, you know, one thought I had on that was, you know, sometimes people have maybe... Um, like a bank account, and you know maybe let's say like a let's say it's a single person, like a a parent, and maybe they're you know on you know older, and maybe they've lost their spouse, and so it's just them, and you know they're worried about you know their kids getting the money, 
uh, you know, upon their passing. And so sometimes they'll put the child on as like a joint owner. And that always makes me nervous uh, because if, you know, something happens to the child, like if they get, you know, divorced or if they get uh, sued, that money is, you know, at least half of that money is is potentially theirs uh, and, and could disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so one way, um, so this is another, this is another step, but what I was gonna get into was like a TOD, like a transfer on death. So, you know, another option is putting, you know, adding a beneficiary to an account like this, uh, where it would go to who you want to, you don't have to, um, you don't have to put them on necessarily as a, as a joint owner. Um, all right, so is that? That was me. That was no. That was Lori, right? That was Lori. That was me. All right. Oh, so that's how she gets all the points. Over there. That's how you're winning, Mary Beth. Do you just claim all all of the points? Pay attention. That was yeah. pay attention. I'm not. I'm ob- I'm oblivious. I'm oblivious. I'm like I said. It's the honor system. Uh, okay. So Lori, where do you want to go? I would like to move to good housekeeping. All right. Good housekeeping, where there's a will. Okay. Let's see. Um. This is a financial safety net for future mishaps and or unexpected expenses. Oh, Mary Beth. Ooh, what is Did you practice last night raising, <laughs> yes, I, raising yeah, your yeah, hand? Yeah. Yes, I should have brought you in my little did, buzzer. Yeah. Is it, yeah. What your is, shoulder must be, yeah. It's kind of sore. I'm yeah. going to I'm have to call in sick for the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, what Use is your em- other arm. What is, oh, yeah. What is emergency reserves? Uh, correct. And I know we just, we just kind of touched on this a minute ago when we were talking about, like, the money market. Um, all right, so... What do you think? What you know? What's a what's kind of a good a target for emergency reserves? Mm, I I think six months of your salary or living. Oh, is it salary or living expenses? I think it's six months worth of living expenses. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's. I mean, I think that's or could a good, it be either? Yeah. A good general rule of thumb is like three to six months worth of living expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you want to. You know, that's your after tax, right? So you want to know what what that is that you have to spend it on. The you know, and kind of the, the, I mean, the main reason for having it is if you lose a job, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the most critical piece um, because if you lose a job, it takes a while to find another one, right? Right. It could take three months. It could take six months, mm-hmm. depending on you know the job the job market. Yep. Um, and so it, it buys you time so that you're not using credit cards, right? And you know, building debt. Um, you're not tapping into retirement plans early. Because uh, if you're not 59 and a half, you know you could be paying not only taxes but penalties, and so, you know that's you know that has long-term you know detrimental effects. So would you just keep emergency reserves or emergency fund in your regular checking or savings account so you can get at it easy without? Uh huh. So yes, good question. Uh, yes, you want it to be. I mean, the def- the definition of of you know an emergency reserve is that it has to be readily available and not fluctuating in value, mm-hmm. right? Which means no risk, right? Which means, yeah. <laughs> which, which th- as we discussed today, means really no return, because that's just because that's what interest rates are um, in the bank and, and in safe, you know, guaranteed type investments. Well, not investments, but, you know, safe, uh, safe type accounts. So it's readily available and it's not changing in value, uh, or at least it's not going down. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's slowly, slowly going up, right? Um, and, but another point, you know, is you probably don't want to commingle it with maybe like your spending account. Right. So you know, if you just have, let's say you just have, you know, if it's a a couple, let's say, and all you have is one checking account, and you say, oh well, it's got you know thirty thousand dollars in there. Well, 
how much of that is your emergency money and how much of that is your spending money. So not an emergency to go on vacation. No. It is not. Uh, <laughs> although, although Sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For emotional, your yeah, emotional yeah, right. uh, relief, yeah. And I guess the biggest thing about emergency reserves is when you use it, remember to pay yourself back when you can. Yeah. Precisely. Yes, very good point that often gets missed. Uh, I know, you know, I do talk to people that you know, they're always adding money to their, whatever this account is. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they have $100 or $200 coming out of their paycheck that they siphon off and go into this account automatically, and I think that's great. but, but then often they see it building up and then they spend it down. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know, something you gotta be careful about. Um, I mean, my advice is you, know, you should pick a number you know, that you think is a you know, comfortable number, which it may be three months, it may be six months, maybe more than that. Some people wanna have a whole year's worth of you know, cash built away, and that's, and that's fine, uh, whatever makes you comfortable. Um, but I would tell you to put it into a separate account yeah, that's not your spending money. Uh, and that way you know, oh yeah, this is my savings, mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to touch this. Um, I even, I talked to somebody a few years ago, and I th- it was a little extreme, but I also thought it was kind of a cool idea. He said he put his emergency money in a bank like up in Boston, and the only way to get it out was you had to physically go there. Oh, like you couldn't, you couldn't, idea. couldn't take it out. Like it. it was like an old school bank or something, and like he couldn't, you know, he didn't have checking. It was just there, and I was like, that's yeah. a little extreme, but it's pretty awesome that you know because you're not going to say oh because it's, it's kind of a nuisance, right, to go mm-hmm. get it, mm-hmm. and so you're not going to spend think it on, twice, yeah, you know, on frivolous things, yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that was kind of something cool. is better than nothing because some people might say, well, I can't afford to put three months of living expenses away because I need that to live. So, mm-hmm. but something is better than nothing, I suppose. It, it is. Um, I mean, and you know, as we talked, yeah, the main thing is that it's protecting you against worse fates, mm-hmm. you know, more more debt and, and tap in retirement early. Um, and as you said, you want to rebuild it as soon as you can. Once you get to be retired, it's probably pretty hard to build one, uh, right? Because your mm-hmm. income is probably going down. So, I mean, this is something that if you're getting close to retirement and if you feel like you're a little light, uh, that's maybe that should be a focus. Um, I mean, obviously, you're not going to lose a job in retirement. So that, you know, that whole need, you know, so to speak, goes away. But as you get older, you know, you could have medical, you know, right. expenses that, that are out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that will pop up, you know, maybe your kids need some help and, mm-hmm. you know, if you feel like you want to, you know, uh, help them out, you know, there might be in some cash. So there are, you know, the things that you might use it on change as you, as you get older, um, but you should always have it. All right, so Mary Beth. All right, I'm gonna go back to financial potpourri. Okay. If I can find it, there it is. All right. Uh, okay. I thought this one. Uh, wait, is this the right one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, measurement of the volatility of a portfolio or stock compared with the volatility of the market as a whole. I figured you would an- want yeah, to answer this one, Lori. Jump in on this one. Yeah. What is beta? What is beta? That is correct. So, uh, yeah. So, do you do you know any more about beta? Um, or how to further define it? Well, I know that there's there's a range that if if an asset matches a volatility, that it's like a beta of one. Yeah, like if it, yeah, like so like, yeah, like if, if it's, it's exactly like if it exactly tracks the market, it would be a one. 
And right. if it's exactly opposite, it would be a minus one, yeah. negative one. Is, yeah. that, oh, is think, that correct? I think it's just less than one. It'd be like a fraction. It'd okay. be a fra- and if it's and if it's and if it typically is more volatile than the market, it'd be like one point one or one point two, depending on you know on a relative basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you can look at you know, and I mean, this is something we don't typically talk about with with mm-hmm. clients, uh, you know, a whole lot. Um, but the other, you know, another uh, marker that they look at is alpha. Does anybody know what alpha, Ooh, alpha. is? That's no. Mary Beth. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> no, I do not. Fair enough. So, all right. So, if beta is basically how it how a, how a you know, a stock or a fund does relative, you know, to the market, you know, how it tracks, alpha basically represents the excess return. So, like if it does better than the market, that's oh. the alpha. Okay. Um and so you know, sometimes people will say, "Well, you know, an advisor maybe provides alpha, right? You know that you know, uh, you know, having an investment advisor, you know, is a way to perhaps do better than the market. Um, you know, so like if somebody said, "Oh, you know, what's your value add?" You know, that's like another way of saying what's oh, your, right. you know, oh, what's your alpha. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. And you know, it's such you know. So I mean, what, you know, I guess when I think about you know, when we talk to clients about the things that we do, you know, we pick, you know, we pick the funds, you know, we put the portfolios together um, and, you know, we rebalance, you know, on, you know, on a strategic basis. And we feel that all, you know, all those things, you know, together sort of provide mm-hmm. alpha, uh, quote unquote. As we, we don't to usually use those alpha. terms because those right. are pretty, you know, fairly sophisticated terms, but, but it, it is there. And that's as opposed to trying to do it yourself at home. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, or like, you know, like, um, I don't think it's in here, but you know, like we talk sometimes about like passive funds versus active funds. Mm-hmm. You know, an actively managed, you know, mutual fund, there should be quote unquote alpha there, right? You know, you're paying for that active management so that they can perhaps do better than the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can look at so you is can kind of guaranteed. No, no, no. <laughs> nothing is guaranteed. Sorry. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, and that, yeah, right. No, and so you're paying. You're paying for it, right? But there's no guarantee that you're gonna get that you're gonna get it, um, right. and so you know, so a pass, so like a passive investment. So there's really there's quote you know there's no alpha, right? There is no alpha because it does exactly what the market does. So the beta is one, right? And the alpha is zero, I guess. But um, you know, but but you get what you get. You know, you get what the markets do. You're not gonna underperform, and the cost is lower to those passive mm-hmm. investments. Um, so good there question. is yeah, that's good. a good question. All right, so all right, so Lori, so you're in control. Alrighty, um, let's go with. What did we just do? We just oh. that was potpourri. Okay, then I'll pick a different one. Okay. Let's go back to good housekeeping. All right. Good housekeeping, where there's a will. Dot dot dot. All right. Uh, all right. A beneficiary's basis for an asset or property reassessed to the market value on the date of death. Oh, Jane, okay. I'll just, you know, because I hear you talk about this a lot in the office. You do? Actually, with Kathy. Do you hear yes. me screaming about it or no, talking in a no, nice voice? You and, you and Kathy have nice conversations and I'm like, what are Always. you talking about? We're very, <laughs> yes, very calm and controlled, yep. Uh, what is a stepped up cost basis? That is correct. All right. That, yeah, that's correct. So, can you... Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't answer the question. Jane. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, can you, can you, in your best ability, define cost basis for me? 
just from what I hear or overhear, mm-hmm. something to do with what something was worth at a particular time? It's uh, really it's more of what you paid for something. Oh, okay. All right. So so cost basis, so I mean there are a couple of ways to to that it could affect your life, but in in most cases it's like for a, a non retirement account. Uh, so we talked earlier about like an individual brokerage account. So that's where you know you're taking after tax money. Uh, let's say you have ten thousand dollars that you know you have in your bank account. You've already paid taxes on it, and you put it into this individual brokerage account. And let's say you buy you know X Y Z stock, and so your initial cost basis is ten thousand dollars because that's what you put into the stock, and. Over time, well, I'll, you know, there's one. So over time, that stock might pay dividends, and if you reinvest those dividends, it increases your cost basis because you're because you're, you have to pay taxes on those dividends whether you take them or reinvest them. Uh, but if you reinvest them, you get to add that to your cost basis, and so that ten thousand now becomes you know say ten thousand one hundred or whatever the dividend is, and over time you just you have to keep track of that. Or, and it used to be that you know company you know mutual fund companies or custodians didn't have to track that. Uh, I forget when it was. It was probably in the probably in the early to mid two thousands that. They, they were required to start tracking it. Before then, they didn't have to, so sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. And so that's like, you know, sometimes, you know, you come across somebody, you know, that's maybe older and they've had this stock forever and they don't know what the cost basis is. And so if they go to sell it, you know, they don't know how much tax to pay. Um, so, so then, yeah, so then to fast forward, so okay, so you have this cost basis that, you know, there's initial cost basis plus the reinvested dividends, and then, all right, so let's say, you know, 10 years goes by, and now XYZ stock that you hold is worth, say, $20,000, and you wanna sell it all. So, you have to look at, you know, what you paid for it, including reinvested dividends. Let's say, you know, so let's say you paid 10 plus, you know, you reinvested another 5,000 over, over time. So now your cost basis is 15,000 and you sell it for 20. So you're gonna have to pay capital gains taxes on the $5,000. Okay. Mm. All right, so then back to the, so our question was, you know, what is stepped up cost basis? So, all right, so let's say in that example, you know, you have fifteen thousand. You know, your basis is fifteen thousand, but it's worth twenty. You pass away, and it, and you before you sold it. And so, what happens in most cases? What and it, it depends on how the account is owned, but in a lot of the times, if the account is included in the original owner's um, estate, you know, when they're doing their estate taxes, then what happens is the beneficiaries get that stepped up cost basis. And so let's just, you know, for sake of ease, let's just say there's one beneficiary. And so they get they get all the shares of stock valued at $20,000 and the stepped up cost basis says that their cost basis is whatever the stock was worth on the account owner's date of death. Mm-hmm. So, if it, you know, so if, if it was worth $20,000 the day that they passed away, and if the beneficiaries sold it, say, that same day, which probably wouldn't happen, but if they did, there would be zero tax to them because their cost basis is 20, they sold it for 20. Mm. 
Um, if they continue to hold it, you know, then they start. But they start with that twenty thousand as their cost basis. You know, so if they sell it a couple of years down the road, then you know, so they have that stepped up cost basis. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes, no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no and it's time to move on to another advisor. Where do you want to go next? Um, let's go to roller coaster. All right. How are we doing, point wise? Good. Good. Yeah. Thirty five. Oh, see, you didn't give yourself. That I did. Okay. <laughs> I'm at twenty one. Oh. All right. Uh, it's doubled. You got oh, six doubles. <laughs> Big mouth. <laughs> All right, the roller coaster. Right. This market, or this type of market, experiences rising prices. Mary Beth. What is a bull market? That is correct. Um, oh. You guys are amazing. You're getting all yeah. the answers. Yeah. Um, we talked earlier about you know a bear market. You know is a decline in prices, and you know that's regularly defined as a twenty percent decrease. What do you think? defines oh. a bull market? I don't know. <laughs> Anyone else? A 20%? But you're not getting my points if you answer it. Uh, <laughs> 20% no no transfer of points. No. So no. really, there is no definition so, for a bull market. Oh. Trick uh, question. It's a tri it was a trick it question. Is. Um, I mean, yeah, so there really is no percentage definition. Um, and bull markets typically typically are longer than bear markets, mm -hmm. uh, at least historically speaking. So, I mean, and they can go on, you know, for long, they can go up, you know, very high. I mean, there, so there is no definition. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, yeah, there is no definition for that one. It could, I mean, 20%, I mean, I would consider that a, you know, a bull market, but it could be much more. Mm -hmm. uh, it really doesn't matter. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's prolonged period of growth, you know, sustained growth. When it goes up. When it goes up. up who decides the, a green it's a day, when it's a green day. A green day. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Who decides if it's a green market? If it's, I mean, a green market, a bull market. Yeah, I mean, nobody really decides. I mean, I think, you know, like I said, there's really no definition. Um, and and again, just like a bear market, we really don't know when it is. You don't ever know when you're in it. You know, if it's a bear market or a bull market until time has gone by and you can look backwards and say, oh, look at that. Um, so it's tough to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, we up with the exception of, you know, we had 2020, right? You know, with, you know, COVID, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we had, we, I mean, technically that was a bear market because it went down more than 20% uh, when it went down, you know, February, March, April of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a very short lived, oh, you know, yes. bear market, right? I mean, when it happened, it seemed like the end of the world, right? right. Oh, uh, yes. And it was never going to come back and it was going to go to zero, right? Um, but you know, so technically that was a bear market, but it probably only lasted six months, you know, before things started to recover. Right. Um, and, you know, and then we had, so the, 20, the end of 2020 was good. 2021 was a good year. Um, but now we're, now we're, you know, we're starting to, you know, see another dip. We haven't hit 20%, you know, decrease in 2022 yet. Um, but, you know, so it's kind of like, it's kind of a struggling bull market, I guess you could say now, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, it's starting to go down. But right. uh, prior to 2020, that was def that was definitely a bull market, right? Because it was pretty much uh, 
up for the most part uh, for a long period of time, um, like almost 10 years. Uh, so that was definitely you know, a bull market. Um, all right, so where do you wanna go next? That's you and me. Oh, me. Mary Beth. Really? It's always Mary Beth. Well, I know. How about uh, we just have a one minute. more? We just have about two minutes, so we'll do try the, to the roller coaster. Angel. The roller coaster. We'll stay with the roller <laughs> stay coaster. The roller coaster. All right. And talk fast. Uh, we don't have to talk fast. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, all right. Investing in these instruments can help mitigate business risk. Lori. What is a mutual fund? That is correct. So, can, and I, I think you can do this. And if you can't, that's okay. Okay. Um, so can you can you kind of tell the difference between buying an individual stock versus buying a mutual fund of stocks? Well, with a mutual fund, you're buying into multiple companies, and so if if you just buy an individual stock and that stock tanks, then you lost money. But if you buy multiple cop multiple companies, then you're more more diversified. You have a lot of chances to do better. Right. It's yeah. I mean, it's basically you know, like it, like the question said. It's you know, you're diversifying. So business risk is like yeah, if you buy one company, one stock, and that business does poorly, that's a that's a big that's a big risk. Oh, uh, Don't put your eggs in one basket. That's right. And so you know, so a mutual fund is you're buying you know lots and lots of companies. Depending on the fund, you know, some have more than others. But you know, one mutual fund you could have exposure to hundreds, if not thousands, of different companies. And so if one or two or 10 of those companies, you know, slash businesses do poorly or even go out of business, you probably don't even know about it because you own hundreds of other ones. Um, and so that's, you know, so the, the, the risk of default is the biggest risk in owning stocks, right? Because that's, you know, losing your investment uh, mm -hmm. potentially. And, and then isn't there the added advantage of the mutual fund being professionally managed? Uh, so, yes, potentially, yes. Yeah. So there are active mutual funds and passive mutual funds, uh, like we talked a little bit about. And so an actively managed mutual fund, yeah, you're hoping that they can perhaps do better than the market or, or perhaps reduce some risk, you know, relative to the mm -hmm. market. Uh, but there's a fee for that, right? Uh, so typically you pay more for that versus a passive fund, which just tracks the market. Uh, you still have the diversification, because it owns, you know, lots of funds, but um, but less less cost in the passive funds. All right, so I think we're just about ready for a break. Um, so when we come back, we will finish double Jeopardy, and then we will go into final Jeopardy. Ooh. All right. So Mary Beth is in the lead. Yes. Yes, I am. Thirty-nine yes. points. I think you've been. Have you been in the lead the whole time? Yeah. Pretty yeah. consistent. Pretty, pretty consistent. consistent. Pretty consistent. You were practicing your arm raises last I night, have, and so yeah. you're quick on the quick I'm on the quick raise. Quick on the draw. All right, and Jane. Oh, no, who's in second? Lori. I'm in second with All right. 27. All right, Scooping so it. Jane's in third. All right, so we'll let uh, we'll let All Jane right. pick right. here. Driving this boat now. And we do have to save. We'll have to save a little bit of time at the end for our for our final, final Jeopardy. Jeopardy. All right. Okay. okay. All right, so Jane. All right, let me reread the categories. Who can I trust? What's in it for me? The roller coaster, financial potpourri, and good housekeeping where there's a will. Mm. Dot, I'm dot, gonna, dot, I'm, I'm, you know, I get some points to make up here. So we're going with who can I trust? Who can I trust? Is that a, is that are there more points on that one? Yes, it's ten on that one. All right. Yeah, put your arm down. Are you already <laughs> answering? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That's okay. Gotta watch her. <laughs> this individual person 
given control or powers of administration of property and trust with a legal obligation to administer it solely for the purposes specified. Jane. Okay. Uh, that would be a trustee. That is, yeah, uh, yep, that is correct. Um, ask in the form of a question, though. Oh, I'm sorry. What is a trustee? Oh, geez. Oh. All right. Yeah. What do we? How do we? How do we handle that? Uh, we'll, we, we'll let it slide this time. Uh, do we just, Jane. Is she just out altogether? <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to find a new contestant. Uh, we did go over the rules ahead of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, how many trustees do you think there should be for a trust? Well, what do you think is a good number? I heard this recently. Yeah. That where did you hear it? I, 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 can't, I can't remember where I heard it, but um, one is good and three is too many. And mm. So I would say one. Yep. I, maybe two. So one. we're not we're not giving in, we're not giving legal advice, right? No, not because at all. we're not we're no, not a, we're not attorneys. Ones. We're not attorneys. We don't claim to be cooks uh, in the kitchen, right? So I thought two was bad because if there's a disagreement, then there's no third person to. That's why one is good. That's why one is right. good. Right. So, yeah, t- you know, two, if there were two, right, they could disagree. And then it could be sort of a, you know, gridlock, right? If they can't, if they can't agree. Um, if there's three, well, now, you know, yeah, that then you could have, well, we could have fighting, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> right. right? I mean, yeah, if, right. say there's three siblings and two agree and one doesn't, I mean, technically, well, depending on how the trust is written, they could perhaps push things through based on a majority. But at what cost? You know, does that cause you know sibling rivalries and, mm-hmm. and who knows what else? Um, right. So I don't know. I mean, some attorneys that I've talked to, um, you know, th- they think maybe one trustee is probably the, probably the best solution. But you know, please please consult with your attorney uh, when when drafting your trust. Um, you know, one other thing is so you know we talked about you know, fiduciary earlier, you know, and what that means. And so, you know, the definition of a trustee is that, you know, they need to act as a fiduciary, right? So they need to be, you know, acting in the best interest of the, you know, the grantor, whoever put the money into the into the trust. Uh, they need to be thinking about them only, right, when 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 making decisions, you know, with, with those assets. Um, and potentially, you know, potentially there's liability there. You know, if they do something that maybe is not in the best interest of the, you know, of the person that owns the assets, then they could potentially have an issue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not, it is a big responsibility. Uh, so just, you know, don't take it lightly. If somebody asks you to act Doesn't as trustee. Doesn't sound like it's a lot of fun. It, it you know, I, I don't know that it would be fun, but um, but it's it's important uh, and, and comes with a lot of responsibility. Um, all right, so where do we want to go next? That's why it's someone who you can trust to someone, be a trustee. That's right, who can you trust? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that was a heavy hitter. Let's go a little lower. Let's go, what's in it for me? All right. This account allows individuals to direct pre-tax income toward investments that can grow tax-deferred. Mary Beth. What is an IRA, or Individual Retirement Account? The quickest arm in on Marshfield. On the South Shore. Yeah, on the <laughs> South Shore, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so an IRA... Um, so do you know, so there's really, there's one, you know, main component as far as being able to contribute to an IRA. Do you know what that is? Having money. Well, <laughs> well, say- have, having, having money, but having, having what kind of money? Free money. Uh, income. Income. Oh, Correct. Uh, oh. All right. So bonus Good. point to Lori. Good. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. In, yeah. So in order to contribute to an IRA, you have to have earned income. Oh. Um, 
it used to be, and it used to be, you know, when you reach the age of required distributions, you could not no longer contribute. They did remove that uh, that rule a couple of years ago when they, you know, with the Secure Act. So if you're over, you know, seventy and a half, over seventy two, if you're, as long as you're still working and have earned income, you can contribute to an IRA. Um, the the question is, so you know, so anybody with earned income can contribute. The question is whether or not it's deductible. So not everybody can deduct it. It depends on some other things. Oh. Um, like you know, what? Well, yeah. So for example, um, like if you are an active participant in a four hundred one k, then there's a you have to look at a certain. I don't. I know. I didn't write all this down. There's a certain table, you know, where if you make too much money then you can't deduct those IRA contributions. You can still add to it, and you know that money will, you know, you can invest it, and it will grow tax deferred, uh, but there's no tax deduction you know, on, on, by putting the money mm. in. Um, now, on a, so I guess we could talk about a Roth um, you know, in conjunction with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so who knows the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Yes, Lori. A Roth IRA is is funded with is is taxed up front. Correct. And an yep. IRA is taxed when the money's drawn out. Correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do I get, get at least two points for that? <laughs> so. Again, so again, in order to you know to contribute to a Roth IRA, you still have to have. You know, you have to have earned income to, to, to contribute. And there's also a, there's an income test. And so if you make too much money, you're not able to, you know, you're not able to contribute. Uh, I don't think, and I didn't write down what they are. And those, again, those change too every year. You know, the, the income tables change. Uh, so you need to take a look at that, you know, talk, you know, you know consult with your uh, tax person, uh, whether or not you can tri- contribute to a Roth. Um, all right. So, all right, who was that? Who was who answered that one? Jane? Uh, I did. No. Oh, you did. Yeah. Well, see, I should I should always just go to you. I don't know why I don't know why I go to anybody else. Yeah. I think we should stay in what's in it for me. Okay. All right. Let's see. All right. $6,000 but $7,000 if you are age 50 or older. Yes, Lori. That's how much a person can contribute to their IRA. That is correct. All right. So, Oh, actually, you know what? I did write down the Roth. Okay, so, you know, we talked. We just talked a little bit about to do a Roth, your income has to be under a certain level. So I did write it down. So for 2022, uh, to contribute to a Roth, if you're a married couple filing jointly, your your income, your modified adjusted gross income has to be less than $214,000. And if you're an individual, it has to be less than $144,000. Uh, so if you make more than that, uh, you are ineligible to contribute to a Roth. Um, like I said earlier, anybody can do the IRA. It doesn't matter how much income you have. It's just whether or not it's deductible, again, which has you know some other tables, uh, and whether or not you contribute to a 401k. Um, and you know the other note there, yep, question? I'm sorry, I do have a question. Yeah. In order to open any type of retirement account, do you have to be a certain age? So, um, in that case, you can open an account for a child if the child has earned income. Okay. 
but you could basically be act as a custodian for them uh, up until they reach you know the age of majority. So age of majority in mass is twenty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, you would be the custodian for okay. them, uh, but the child has to be the one with the earned income. And that's actually, you know, we've, we get that question sometimes, and, and I think it is a good idea if, you know, somebody has maybe a summer job, right, when they're in their teen years, mm-hmm. um, you know, say, say they make, let's say they make, you know, $3,000, I, I don't know, uh, or, you know, over the course of the summer. They can technically spend that money, and the parent could contribute their own money on behalf of the child into a, you know, a custodial owned IRA. So it doesn't have to be the kid's money per se, mm-hmm. but the, the kid or the child has to have the earned income in order to qualify. Um, so I think that that's kind of a cool thing that somebody could do, or even a, you know, a grandparent could do that. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but the child has to be the one that actually is showing, you know, the earned income. Okay. Um, so to do like, for example, do a Roth IRA for a young person, where you know the money's going to grow tax deferred for a long, long time. You know, if the kid is only, you know, if they're in, you know, a teenager, uh, you could really, you know, that could accumulate to something fairly substantial and then be tax free. Uh, you know, when they when they retire. Um, I was also going to say, so like you know, we talked about you know, so six thousand dollars per year if you're under fifty is the max, um, and seven thousand if you're fifty or older. Um, you can actually contribute to. Both, you know, an IRA and a Roth IRA in the same year, but you still have that cap over the two accounts. Like, for example, you could do like three thousand to the IRA and three thousand to the Roth. Um, cumulative. So yeah, cumulative. Yeah, so you can't do six to both, but you could do some combination uh, as long as the total is you know stays under that stays under that number. But again, you have to be aware of you know whether or not you can deduct the IRA contribution uh, you know based on your income and and the Roth. Again, based on your income, mm-hmm. uh, but potentially you could do both in, in the same year. And what happens if you accidentally put too much in one account? Ah, uh, good question. Um, we actually just had somebody that did that, and so yeah. So if you find out that you did it, and then you made too much money after the fact, uh, you need to pull out. You need to pull the money back out. Uh, well, in the case of the IRA, if if you find out that it's no longer deductible, you can still keep that in. Um, you just don't get the deduction, but in the case I of see. in the case of a Roth, you have to pull the funds back out if you weren't eligible. Um, we had yeah, I had that case with somebody recently. They were contributing to a Roth. You know, they put in their six thousand dollars last year, and then they were doing the taxes, and they found out that they made too much money last year. They they got a raise, you know, last year because um, they had done this in prior years and it had been fine. Mm. Uh, they got a raise last year, and it just it was enough to push them over the threshold. So, and there's actually a, there's a phase out. So, and again, I don't have the exact numbers, but, you know, if you make between, you know, if you make too much money, you can't, you can't put anything in, but if you make between a certain number and another number, you can put in a partial contribution. So, and again, it's a sliding scale. So depending on where you fall, and that's what happened to this person, you know, he had to pull, you know, he put in six, he had to pull out about 2000 because of what his income was. Um, And then also, also I thought, you know, interestingly enough, he, he is going to get married uh, this year, which is going, which expands the brackets, mm-hmm. you know, because now he's going into it, you know, they'll be filing jointly, and so now he should be okay again, uh, oh, because the okay. spouse, you know, adding their income together, they, they, he falls back into the allowable uh, range. Um, so it was just kind of a, one, a funny kind of a one year, uh, and now he's back to, you know, being eligible. Um, all right. Good to know. Thank you. Thank you. All right, where are we going? <laughs> 
Okay, that was me. Let's go with good housekeeping. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. So we're okay. We're after we'll do a couple. We'll do a question or two, and then we have our final Jeopardy, uh, which which will be exciting. Uh, all right. Yeah. You guys actually going to wager points? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay. All right. Good house game. All right. This is a Latin phrase that translates literally to "by roots" or "by branch." <laughs> we all did it together. I don't know. I think I saw Jane first. Ooh. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I say this wrong all the time, but it's. Per Perstirpes. Yes, I think we'll give you credit for that. That's yes, a, that's all right, a, we'll give you credit. I never took Latin, so I. You know what? I actually did, <laughs> uh, but I don't remember learning this one in Latin. <laughs> I did four years in high school. Uh, wow. Actually, uh, Myla the other day, my oldest, something came up because she has to pick a language next year, and she can pick, I think, between Spanish and French. And I was like, oh, I picked, you know, I took Latin, and she was like, she's like, isn't that a dead language? <laughs> I was like, I was like, but they do <laughs> still have it at the high school. Yeah, right. I know. I was mm-hmm. like, yes. I don't know how she knew that, but uh, I was like, yes, technically. It was dead when I took it, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever that was. Um, so, yeah, so per stirpes, it basically means, yeah, so by the roots, by the branch. It, also, it means that it follows the bloodline. And so, like, if you list, say you list your son as a beneficiary of your IRA per stirpes, and if something happened to your son, you know, either he you know, predeceased you or passed away at the same time as you, then his... You know, his share, his inheritance would flow to his children. Um, so it would not go to his spouse if he had one. It would go to the children. So it follows the blood, mm-hmm. uh, not not the marriage, I guess, in that case. Um, and so if there were two or three kids, it would go to them evenly. Mm-hmm. So if you don't designate that, it would automatically go to the wife? Uh, no. Uh, no. So, yeah, you know, if you listed, let's say you listed your son... And that was your primary beneficiary. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't around, then that, that account is now going to probate. Oh. Um, so, you know, it's a good reason to have, you know, some people some people have no beneficiaries. Some people only have one primary. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, again, we're not giving legal advice, but I think typically you want to have maybe some backup or some contingent beneficiaries listed just in case. I mean, it's pretty rare that, you know, the primary beneficiary is, you know, not living, but it does happen. Uh, or or maybe you forget to change it uh, over time. Again, that's why we, you know, try to go over it with clients. All right, so maybe we should get into our final Jeopardy. Uh, all right, that will give you time to uh, wager your points and everything. All right. I suppose if we have time, we can always go back and do some, this some, is true. some bonus questions. Uh, all right, so final Jeopardy. Kevin can hum some music for us. All right. <laughs> All right. So here's the category. So, all right. I'll give you the category. All right. And then, actually, why don't, do you guys, do you have your points? Do you have, do you know what your points are now? I have 41. Okay. I have 43. Go on. I gave, that, I gave that last one to yeah. you, Jane. Yeah. 41, Mary Beth. Yeah. 43, Jane. Yep. Laurie. What Laurie. happened here? <laughs> what, what, what do you have? I have 30. 30? Okay. I think you have more than that. Give her 40. Come on. <laughs> No, she no. drove all the way down from Chelmsford. Some bonus points I, just for, yeah, for, for geographical purposes. Yeah. I can go with what I've earned. I'm good with that. All right. Well, now you know that you have some work to do here. <laughs> I in, have a lot final of work Jeopardy. to do. All right. Definitely. All right. So here's your category, and then you can, I guess, let me know what your points are. Okay. All right. So final Jeopardy. The category is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Okay. All right. 41. You're wagering all your points? Uh, yeah, why not? Oh, my go gosh. Go big or go home. Well, we you must know a lot about no, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Oh, question. Right. oh, I'm definitely. Come oh, on, people. Don't you watch Jeopardy? Jeopardy? 
All right, 41 for Mary Beth. Yep. 43. I'm, I'm so you're going to wagering? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, all right. Saying, yeah. I'll, I'll wager all 30, Kirk. <laughs> okay. Everybody's all in. All right. We'll see if that's smart or not in a minute mm. here. Okay. All right. So here's your here, well, here's your answer, Final I guess. And then you, ask, you give me the question. Answer. All right. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was created in 1896 and originally consisted of 12 companies. One of those 12, I'll read it again, one of them. One of those 12 companies remained on the list for over 120 years until it was removed in 2019. I'll read it again. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was created in 1896 and originally consisted of 12 companies. One of those 12 companies remained on the list for over 120 years until it was removed in 2019. Is it a big company? <laughs> I don't think Alex yes. ever gave hints. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, there's no, there's no back and forth on this one. I don't think, but, uh, but yes, uh, yes, it is. Okay, it is a big. Well, I mean, if it got removed, you know, maybe it. It just doesn't necessarily mean it got smaller. It, it means maybe some other ones surpassed it, uh, perhaps. All right, so. Stop. Is it, you start with does them? anybody have an answer? No, you have to start with Lori and see what her question Aren't we supposed to? Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Um, All right, so. Everybody write theirs down? Yeah. All right, so Lori, you had 30 points. Oh, jeez. Zero? And you've wagered it all. Um, what would you come up with? I can't think of the name of the company. I'm trying to think of the like the phone company, Bell. Okay. Ma Bell, is it Bell? That is that is incorrect. Okay. All right. So, all right. That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. <laughs> and I, I really, I mean, I, I, I tried to make it not hard. Well, I tried to try to make it hard. Yeah. It was hard. I, I thought it was an interesting question. That's why. That's why I came up with it. It's not fair, though. Very. It's not fair. That's funny. All right. So let's see. So Mary Beth would be next, right? I think I. I don't think I answered it correctly. I said, "What is Procter and Gamble?" Uh, that is incorrect. But that is a good. Ooh. That's a good that's guess, a good but guess. that's incorrect. That's, really that's a good guess. Back to zero. Yeah. So, I'm about to join you, I'm sure. <laughs> so Procter & Gamble, um, it was not one of the original 12, but it is on the list today. Okay. Uh, so that is, that's a good guess. Mm. All right. Yeah, I was thinking along the same lines, and I came up with General Electric. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Unbelievable. Total guess. Total guess. <laughs> Unbelievable. Look, I had Edison first. Oh, Wow. Amazing. I can't believe it. All right. So that is correct. I get the push, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you went from, uh, all right. So our finals. Okay. So we have Mary Beth. Zero. Zero. Lori with zero. And we have Jane with 86. Yay. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. Way to go. All right. Well, that's that's unbelievable. It means oh. I get to come back for the next round, yeah. right? Uh, I don't, there, there is no round. Oh. Oh. Oh, we ha- you got hands. some raisins from. Are those also from uh, 1896? Yeah. All right. We got some a box of raisins for Jane. Jane, you move on to the next round Yee-hoo! where you compete against Mike right. and Justin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, oh, we st- oh we still have lots of time. 
Okay. All right. Still. Left. All right. So. All right. Well, that wasn't quite as yeah. climactic as That's I. Not, it was for me. Well, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, right. I'm impressed. You can eat your raisins. <laughs> I know. All right. So I guess. All right. So we got a few more minutes, so we can go back and answer a few more questions. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we're gonna let. Are we gonna let anybody get back into this? I don't think no, so. No, but know yeah. what? We maybe should do a little another little plug for our social security seminar. Sure. So. Do you mind? How about? I'm gonna say what's in it for me, and you can. Why don't you ask me the answer? Okay. Uh, oh. Okay. Uh, so under the what's in okay age sixty two. Mary Beth, what is the age you can start collecting Social Security? Uh, that is correct. Uh, under normal st- circumstances, okay. that is correct. There are some other things with other um, yes. other issues, but yes, normally retirement benefits commence at sixty two. Uh, all right, so McNamara Financial Services, thank you. Yep, will be hosting our annual Social Security seminar on Thursday, April twenty first. From 6.30, well, 6.30 to question mark, I guess. Right, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. We'll see how <laughs> good of a party is. Uh, via Zoom, featuring Social Security expert Kurt Zarnowski. Not not to be confused with Kirk. That's Kurt with a T, Zarnowski. Uh, please call the office at 781-834-2010. Uh, you can chat with Mary Beth. I'll or, be happy to or, sign you up. Yep. Uh, or you can visit our website. Uh, McNamaraFinancial.com and you can sign up uh, sign up there um, okay oh I also had one other note for you know for the age 62 uh, that is also the age uh, for something else that you become eligible to potentially do I think I mentioned to you guys the other day I don't know if you remember what it was retire uh, <laughs> that depends <laughs> that depends do you remember what it was no I don't no I do but I don't you yeah. do but you don't when you say it I'll say oh yeah okay uh, so uh, you have to be at least 62 if you wanted to apply for a yes, reverse mortgage. That oh, is, that is right. correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So age 62. That's another. Um, it gets me 44 points. 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still you still only be halfway there. Do you have, yeah. any, more oh, the, Do you have <laughs> any more raisins back there? There you go. <laughs> I think yeah. I think one box is plenty. Probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, all right. So yes, yeah, so that was age sixty. Yeah. So you can apply for a home equity uh, mortgage. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, well, how about since we're on that? How about how about age sixty five? What happens at age sixty five potentially? Well, I'll let Lori yeah, Lori. That is the age a person is eligible for Medicare. That is correct. Mm. Oh, we have another sub note on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we will be, McNamara Financial will be hosting our annual Medicare seminar in the fall uh, with Medicare expert Peter Stoner. Uh, but that one's, yeah, so that one's it's usually October. Usually October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, maybe in the summer we'll start putting. We'll most likely be via Zoom again. Yes, I know. Just because of these. I understand. But the nice thing about Zoom, it also, we have a lot of clients that are out of state and they can join as well. So that's true. Uh, that's true. Not just excluded to Massachusetts. So yeah, local think, residents. Yeah, last we time do, we had a couple of We do have our office on the North Shore in Chelmsford, so yep. a lot of our clients from the North Shore can join via Zoom as well. Yes. I, yeah, last time we had a couple, I know we had some, a couple people, or at least one person out in Arizona yep. uh, join us, and maybe some New folks York? in Florida. Do we have New York oh, yeah, as well? one in New, New York. York yeah. Yeah. Very and, exciting. And you don't have to be a client of McNamara Financial to participate in either seminar. Correct. Um, one other thing on the how we doing? Oh, okay. All right. So last thing. Uh, so on that age sixty-five thing, if you're still if you turn sixty-five but you're still working, it's possible that you 
don't have to sign up for Medicare. You can continue to stay on your you know, employer-sponsored uh, plan. Uh, the one sort of stipulation for that is that your comp- you have to have at least 20 employees. So the company has to be at least 20 employees large or larger in order for, to meet that qualification. Um, so, because some people feel like when they turn 65, they have to do something, you know, as far as Medicare, but uh, you don't technically have to do anything oh. if, you, if you're still working uh, and you've got 20 or more employees in the company. Uh, all right, so I think we're just about out of time for today. Uh, we were playing our first ever Financial Jeopardy, uh, McNamara Financial Style. Um, congratulations to Jane. Thank you very much. I am thoroughly impressed. Me too. And amazed uh, that you got that. Um, all right, so thank you guys again for participating. You're very this welcome. Was it was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right, thank you. and uh, thank you for, for those listeners out there. <laughs>